Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome once again to our Inland Lighthouse Church podcast. We're so glad you could join us if you are listening. Uh, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, first of all, of course, we got uh, Brother Lee is with us. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. And uh, also our producer, Brother Danny Tirado. Hey, everyone. And our guest with us today, uh, we have been in revival now for several weeks, and uh, it has been a tremendous revival. We are so glad to be with it, uh, with him. And our evangelist is uh, Reverend Andrew Howard. Say hello, Brother Howard. Thanks for having me. And so he's joining us today, and we're just going to have a a round of conversations, uh, maybe work in a few questions. And if uh, anybody out there has some questions, I don't know if we'll get them to him in time, but uh, as usual, you can send them to our email address, and those are in the pod notes at the end. Uh, But today we wanted to start off with a little about our current culture. I don't want to get too political. However, it's my opinion that a lot of our culture uh, comes from on high, and the things that are being done in the places of leadership usually end up bleeding into the culture at large. And that culture, while, uh, let me just say this, that I don't believe the church changes, the Word of God doesn't change, the Spirit of the Lord doesn't change, but the way we as people interact with our culture uh, can vary, and it has changed. Uh, we're not dealing with the same things that they did, say, 10 years ago, as little as 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, if anyone has an example, uh, here's a good one. Uh, nowadays, kids can come in, and if a biological girl decides she feels like a boy, uh, she can make a case to go and use the boys' bathroom. And uh, we know that uh, that has been bandied about, and it's now a courtroom. Well, this is something new to us. We didn't have this situation 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And uh, here we are in the midst of a culture that is ever-changing, but nevertheless, the Word of God remains the same. Yeah, you know, I got an example. I remember uh, about 30 years ago in college, uh, professors and university campuses, you know, it, it's just amazing the thoughts and things that come out of these professors nowadays. But at least uh, in my university, I'll, I'll never forget, and I thought it was kind of fun and neat at the time, it was a biology class. And the uh, professor, though, when he got ready to make an environmental statement, I remember he took off his coat, took off his shirt, and underneath he had a slogan on his T-shirt, and he jumped off the stage and uh, it said save mono lake which is a big lake up in northern yeah. california it's a very you know environmentally sensitive area but he he jumped off the stage and said i'm making my own personal statement here i'm really into this but he didn't like force it down in class cheered everybody thought it was kind of cool uh, but now it's like if you don't agree with the professors and you know you're you got these labels attached to you and you're you're this or you're that and if you don't agree with them then it, it's it's just, it's weird and they'll they'll cut you off and, and I've heard stories of that, and it's, it's, it's amazing how things have changed. Oh, tremendously. Uh, I just noticed, I read an article just this morning uh, about someone who, they're beginning to devour themselves. If you're not extreme enough, then the extreme want to devour you because you're not extreme enough. And so that's taking place. Nevertheless, I, I believe it's a time for revival. I think people are going to start turning to the Lord because it's crazy out there. 
And uh, I know we've been having a, just a tremendous revival. And so one of the things we wanted to bring to Brother Howard was, um, uh, what is it like to evangelize in this 21st century uh, with all that's going around? Now, now tell us, do you pay much attention to the culture, or what do you do? I mean, I think that you have to. Um, I think you have to observe the, to an extent, the 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 trends, the um, the movements, the um, mentalities that are out there. I think you'd be foolish not to. Um, I don't really think you can be effective if not. Uh, I see some that try to um, live in the past in the sense that they. Um, they're not very observant of of what's going on, of what's unfolding around them, and I think that you're ineffective in reaching this culture, this generation, uh, if you're not aware of where they're coming from, of of how they think, of how they view the world, and they view it uh, much differently than they did 15, 20, 25 years ago. Without a doubt. Let me just say this. I'm sure that what we're not saying is that uh, the message needs to change, uh, the right. Bible needs to change, the Spirit of the Lord, prayer, fasting, mm-hmm. all those things remain the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's a mark of an apostolic church is that we have not changed right. what the Bible says. But the times and settings, even Paul talked about that. I uh, don't know where that's located, but he said because of the times that we're in, such and such, we do this or we don't do that. And so uh, there's a lot of wise flexibility, and we rely heavily upon uh, our preachers, our evangelists, to be, uh, I'm not going to say in touch with the culture, but definitely in touch with what the Holy Ghost is doing, regardless of what's happening in the culture. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure people don't under, misunderstand what we're saying when we talk about the culture we're living in, uh, given that particular example we started off with. And there are many more like it. Uh, so if you can think of, well, here's one that I can think of. I was trying to teach a Bible study to some high school kids, and I got to um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And I got to the part about uh, the men wanting to get with the men, the angels. And uh, I just said something. I said, so, you know, these people were homosexuals. And they looked at me, and they said, well, what's wrong with that? And I was stumped there for a moment. I, I was just <laughs> quiet, and I thought, well— well, God doesn't like, you know, that's against God's laws. These people are going to die because of what what they're doing. I'm, well, you know, some of those are nice people. Yeah, I'm sure some of them might have been nice people, but how about these ones that want to rape these two men? Are they nice people? Well, no, no, no. Well, rape doesn't have to take the form of a physical abuse. Right. Yeah, I think that's where we're at. We're, we're living in a world, especially the younger generations, of, um, first of all, the family has broken down. Um, to where there's no longer a normal living situation for the most part. And then we also, uh, which could be the um, catalyst to it all, we live in an unchurched society. And so people's um, religious knowledge or biblical knowledge is slim to none. Um, and so they have very skewed perceptions. I, I had a, an experience trying to teach a Bible study to some Uh, high school kids and um, I was helping a guy who was um, very passionate about what he was doing and was just blasting through one 
biblical story reference after another, ones that we would know since we were in Sunday school, very common stories. And uh, I, I just saw the look of bewilderment on their face, and I said, do you, do you guys even know who Noah is? Have you heard of Moses? And the best they could offer was maybe they had seen it in a movie somewhere. So they have no point of reference. They have no idea um, if we're going to be, and uh, not. And again, I'm not veering away from scriptural principles, but if we're going to be approaching them with a very traditional uh, approach, I think we're going to be ineffective. So are you saying that, uh, you're not saying that biblical stories uh, don't have any meaning, but maybe that we in church take those stories for granted and they need to be retold in a vivid way yeah. to connect them right. to today's culture and language. Well, and, and I, you hear the reference a lot in preaching. We all know the story, so let me just kind of skip to the punchline. Yeah. Well, there's people out there that have no idea what you're no talking idea. about. Right. Um, and I, I hear, <laughs> this kind of leads into something else, but I hear a lot of people uh, in leading a service or in preaching that I feel like fly so high above the heads of people that maybe are unchurched and are coming to an apostolic church for the first time. There's so much being said that is um, Pentecostal dialect, if I can use that phrase. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And cliches or uh, stories that we, we've we known our whole life, <clears throat> and they're struggling to understand, Absolutely. And, uh, which makes it difficult to connect. And I think our biggest goal should be that we want to connect. We want them to have an encounter. And I understand the Spirit of the Lord can override a lot of things. But um, I think it's one thing I've sought to do is to simplify and break things down to where anyone can understand. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, along that line, I just I just wonder, I mean, if you look at the Bible and, and some of the great stories you're talking about, they're just amazing things. And you know what? They make for great movies. Absolutely. And I think that's they part, are some maybe part movies, of the problem. Yeah. They take some ideas, Hollywood yep. or whatever, and Still. they'll take some of these thoughts and ideas and make this spectacular movie and... Kids go there and they think that it's Star Wars or yeah. some other thing going on. But and, the and, theme, and they right? Don't, There's and they, themes. Yeah, and they, but they and they they can't separate truth, you know, from factual history and from from fiction. And you know, they, mm -hmm. they just think it's maybe they they just don't know anymore. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it's interesting. So as an evangelist, you you do try to. Uh, I mean, I've noticed you you do break it down very well, and I don't have to get out a dictionary to try to <laughs> follow you. Right. <laughs> I don't have to Google anything. I just yeah, <laughs> and uh, it, it just it works tremendously. I do appreciate that, and so uh, evangelizing this twenty first century makes yeah. a great thing. You know, let me just say this uh, now, brother Bob Lee. He's been Sunday school teacher for how long? I've been doing it here at Inland Lighthouse for almost twenty years. Twenty years. Uh, what age groups? Um, mostly the younger kids, uh, from like five to 11, 12. Okay. For the most part, but up obviously older age. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we ever did this on the podcast. I'm going to just take a moment. Uh, what year did, did you get the Holy Ghost, get baptized? 1995. Jesus? 1995. Brother Danny, what year? Um, 2001. 2001. Brother Andrew Howard, when did you get the Holy Ghost? The year would probably have been, um... 94, I think. 94, okay. All right, I got the Holy Ghost in 88. 
So going on 30 years uh, was was a so I've worked with young people for a long time, not with the mostly 12 and above. And uh, so we've got uh, I just wanted to, our audience to, you know, we're not novices at <laughs> this kind of thing. We, uh, we, we we're working in the field with with still to this day working with young people and uh, new converts and whatever comes in. So uh, it's just great to know that we can still. There's I've noticed changes, and that's why we come to Brother Howard with with uh, just wanting to know what his thoughts are uh, in regards to evangelizing the 21st century. So he's made the point that uh, being easily understood, not assuming that your audience <clears throat> has this church culture or biblical culture. I want to rather say a biblical culture of knowing what all these stories are and how they're connected, because uh, a lot of people don't. And a lot of young people don't. Um, they're immersed in another culture. Uh, I'm glad that we don't try to go down to their culture and try to, uh, I don't know, you know, become, become social media sa- so savvy that you start using that language. Right. Uh, I just, I don't know. My that's my opinion. I don't think that's necessary to go down, but enable people to come on up and join us there. In the, is that been your experience also? Oh, you know, I, I think it's, um, you know, we're, we're there's a lot of competition out there with Hollywood and there's social media. Everything's happening so fast, and there's so much um, uh, alternate. Uh, attention getters, so to speak, and but you know what? I think the Bible again, and just preaching it straight, just like it is, is it's going to work. And uh, you know, we can reach these kids with you know without having to be too um, you know technologically advanced and crazy, and 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 you know some kind of gimmick or whatever. I think just preaching the truth and just telling, but just explaining it, and just I think a lot just showing them in Sunday school. I know just just showing that you care, yeah, and just loving well, on I, them. Is, I know that um, <clears throat> that I have. Uh, someone related to me is is at another place at another church, you know, and there, and we were talking about the music part of it, and um, uh, you know, I said, why do you guys, you know, play music like you're? It's like it's, I don't know, kind of like you know the 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 now culture how it sounds now, and he goes, well, that's how you reach kids, you know, that's how you reach them. I'm like, well, why don't you just preach? the Bible, like what, what it says, and that should bring them in. And he, uh, we went on to other things too, but yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, they want to be hip to what's going on now and they'll continually change with whatever's going on and never stay constant. And it just, I don't know, to me, it just doesn't seem, seem right to me. I don't know, but that's my opinion. I think the Bible transcends time. And uh, I believe being apostolic is countercultural enough. I mean, we stand out, our message stands out, our our approach, I think when a younger person, let's say under the age of 30 or however old walks into our service, it's already so extremely different from anything else they've experienced if they've ever been to church um, at all. You know, it's, it's already uh, so different, so beyond the pale for them that... Um, I think to modify it, to change it, to become relevant um, would be to our own demise. It would be a detriment to us. I think just being who we are 
um, and allowing the Spirit to anoint us, empower us, speak through us is, is really all we need to do. Well, let me ask you this. That's a good point. You bring up uh, <clears throat> letting the Spirit work through us. Do you find regional differences throughout the land? Uh, uh, maybe it's just language. Uh, maybe it's um, idioms, or maybe it's—are uh, there cultural differences? If you go to the Deep South, mm-hmm. you come out here to California— you know, this is basically, for the most part, all I've known. Uh, I did spend some time in Ohio because my wife was from there. Father pastored a church there. Yeah, there's there's definitely cultural differences, um, uh, and and in different ways. Um, of course, you've got something as simple as accents are, are different, um, but I would say mindsets, um, ideologies are are vastly different, uh, even in one state. You know, um, to live in uh, the Bay Area and then move over to the Central Valley, I think you would find uh, vastly different points of view and political leanings and just a, a number of, of, of differences. Um, I know I lived quite a few years in the South. I've lived in the Midwest, um, lived on the West Coast. Um, in the South, you've, you've got a um, you, you're in the Bible Belt, Bible Belt, and so people are naturally religious and saved. And um, so, when you say Bible Belt, that's a good point because we here on the West Coast. I remember the first time I heard that, I wasn't sure. And the way it was explained to me is this: everybody in the congregation thinks they know as much or more than the preacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean to be from the Bible Belt? In, um, in, I, I think mostly it's just a, a, a vast area that was. Christianized, if I could use the term, um, not necessarily saved or apostolic, but they all believe that uh, they're all involved in a religion to some extent. They believe that they're Christian. You, you knock on their door, and uh, they know a couple of scriptures, or they may know quite a bit of doctrine of some extent. And they, um, I remember all the time as a young man, well, I go to the such and such church down the street. Well, we'd like to invite you to our church. Well, I'd have to miss our services to do that. So <laughs> that was a common thing. Um, but then also within the South, there's also other um, cultural differences. I would say it's it's much more conservative than, say, the West Coast. Um, and there's things that you, you, you combat, maybe not as badly as it was many years ago, but there's still... Uh, strains of racism and things of that nature, whereas um, the West Coast, it's obviously more free-thinking, open-minded, um, very non-religious, anti-religious, if that. Um, Bay Area, oh yeah. Yeah. And so, but then you have the church cultures, which I think are even still quite a bit different. Um, and just comparing West Coast to the South, that's two regions out of many we could talk about. Um I've always observed the West Coast as being uh, very big into evangelism. And you'd think that would be something everyone would desire, but I've noticed that whereas in the South there's a lot of people that are beginning to implement um, bus ministries and big evangelism programs on the West Coast, I think we had it the other night, someone, remember the Booker, someone mentioned that there was a um, an older woman that they came in contact with who had rode the bus as a, as a child. So yeah. you've got years, decades of uh, strong evangelism, bus ministry, Sunday school. Um, 
whereas in the South, I feel like the, their strong points are uh, their strong uh, faith for the miraculous. Uh. And, uh, there's a strong uh, or de- a depth to prayer. Um, hmm. But it's, it's interesting. There, there are a lot of differences that that you could probably extract if you really break it down. Yeah. And, and I can I assume you're being sort of general, but yeah, there are things there that you've noticed. Definitely general. Yeah. I, I definitely couldn't make a, a one-size-fits-all right. statement with any of that, but... There is. Well, that, that's the first time I'd ever heard that, but I, I can see that. You mentioned the depth of prayer. Uh, even though here is where the Azusa Street Revival was, uh, and that was a very deep, prayerful move of God, and uh, we need to get back to that. And, and we are, I'm not, not saying that we're not, but we're looking to see something greater right. happen, uh, even greater than Azusa. So I'm believing for that. Uh, oh, do you yeah. see that going on, Brother Bob? Well, you know, definitely, again, <laughs> I think you mentioned the, the kind uh, phrase, free thinkers out here in California. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, who knows? We may have an East and West California one of these days or North and South California. There's, you know, they want to split it up. Um, and, uh, but it's definitely, you know, we're, I mean, I guess since I'm born and raised in California, you know, we're the land of fruit and nuts, yeah. fruits and nuts. So I can, I can say that, uh, but it's definitely different here. But, you know, people are needing something. And I know when we go out and they you mentioned bus ministry. Um, you know, we're really, you know, um, pushing that and, and picking up some neat kids and just going out, you know, reaching these, you know, kids in these apartment complexes. And, and there's, there's definitely a need out there. And I, I, it goes back to showing we care about them. And, and, and like, yeah, I like that point about uh, not having to get different because our church services are, are definitely different. I remember in 1995 when I first walked in and my head was spinning watching everybody run the aisles and whatever it was, it was different and uh, I came out of a you know drinking alcoholic world and and uh, it was very exciting just to see you know people jumping up and down living for God and they weren't you know they weren't drunk as I suppose that they were you know and uh, as I had been most of my life so it's really neat to see some some good stuff going on in these churches yeah I did read once to the point about the regions uh, I know uh I know people that went to Bible college in Minnesota, and it's it's different uh, than say on the West Coast. Far more demonstrative here on the West Coast than say back where things were settled by Scandinavians and Germans. So a little more reserve about outward show still exists. It's amazing how that still exists. Uh, so those are strong cultural differences. So as an evangelist, I'm sure you've seen those things. Uh, does that uh, does that kind of does that annoy you? I mean, when you see these these differences, not that they're bad people or anything. It's just right. there's a there's a a culture, a church culture. Yeah, um, I think the Lord would you know tends to probably direct me a little bit differently at times um, when when dealing with the cultural differences. Um, but you know, it's not it, it's not something to get frustrated with you just in one instance you have to accept that this is the way things are yeah and then another instance you if, if the lord's moving or moving upon you to to combat that or to you know preach towards that or to deal with that then you've got to flow with that as well 
you know that kind of that kind of leads me. I'm sorry to jump in here, but um, you know, over this course of uh, the revival that you've had, our bishop has often said, oh, "I want to thank," um, and pastor has said, uh, "Thank Brother Howard for walking in the Spirit." Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it kind of leads me to the next question: What do you do to enable that? You just how do you let the the Spirit kind of lead you and and guide you and and uh, and maybe going back to the regional differences, are some churches easier to preach in than others because of that? Maybe. Um. Well, to address the last part, I, I do think there are some that are easier than others. Um, you know, this church has been particular, particularly easier than others. Um, you can feel the the spiritual depth that's here. That's um, you know a product, obviously, of your bishop and pastor. But there's just uh, evidence of many years of prayer and faithfulness by the, the congregation, and um, that makes it easy and. In a place that lacks that, it can be very difficult, uh, but still doable. Um, you know, the, as far as walking in the Spirit, there just has to be consistency on a personal level with devotion and, and prayer, um, and then just allowing the Lord to impress your mind, impress your spirit with what to say, what to do. Um, I would say that walking in the Spirit or, you know, as, as, as it pertains to preaching, that for me, that it may be different for someone else, um, it's taken time and, and years to learn how to navigate through it. Um, you know, the first few times I preached or got into a pulpit, I, I was a, just a nervous wreck and hated every minute of it, and uh, I don't know if I was. You're being too honest. Here walked now. in the spirit. <laughs> I, I, I walked in the spirit for five seconds or not, but as time went on, you you you, you the Lord reveals things to you, shows things to you, and uh, and not to say that it becomes easier, but you definitely learn how to navigate through it. Um, but I, I guess the. The way I always feel it, he just he'll impress things on your mind, on your spirit, and um, it is, and it's always a, a step of faith to speak it, to do it, you know, whatever you're feeling at that moment. So, in regards to uh, walking, tell us maybe in regards to a personal devotion. What does your day look like? What does your morning look like? Or what does your evening look like? What do you? How do you? Prepare yourself or keep yourself in a place. This is just what I imagine. You know, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, uh, the apostles, they said that they needed to give themselves to the ministry of the Word and prayer, that they didn't need to be waiting tables. I kind of like that because it. Uh, I want my pastor, I want my preacher to be <laughs> in tune with what needs to happen. So what do you do? What's your day look like? What's your morning look like? I don't know if you do if you're an evening guy or if you're a morning guy, but tell us what a little bit about your devotion. You know what that looks like. Yeah, uh, traveling and living on the road, it sometimes your pattern can change a bit. Good point. Depending upon the um, the setting or the place that you're at, um, but you know I would say for the most part it it remains the same. Um, you know I, I always begin with prayer. Uh, before doing anything else, and you know, it, it, it obviously is different day by day. But um, 
just try to connect in prayer, pray in uh, the mind of God, pray in the Spirit, um, pray for needs, pray for uh, myself, pray for the church, uh, try to see if the Lord will give you direction specifically for the church and the needs that are there or, or where you're at currently in that revival. Um, and then I would say following that, usually I would say in prayer, God will prompt things uh, scripturally to my heart, um, and I'll jot that down, but uh, often when I walk away, I'll spend some time reading the Bible, and um, if there were things he impressed on me in prayer, I'll try to go back and focus on that and uh, ex- you know, expand that a little bit, break that down. Um, I, I don't know if my regimen is any different than, than anyone else, but uh, I'd say that's, that's what my daily life would look like. Uh, for the most part, um, as far as length of time, I don't uh, don't try to time anything. You know, just um, however long it, it needs to take, whatever we need to do to kind of get back to that same place and uh, hear from the Lord. Um, it's what we try, what I try to do. So, excellent. Okay. Well, kind of, I, want to, I want to move on to kind of, I'm sure that your devotion um, maybe has been inspired. I know you come from a family um, with uh, preachers and, and uh, evangelists, so to speak, but have there been any um, particular elders um, that have impacted you? And I, I want to give a quick little, uh, we we, we're, we have the privilege of having Brother uh, Ted Molander here in our church, and a couple of years ago, I think it was, we had a summer series with the elders, and uh, and I got to listen to a few of them, but he, he gave a, a talk one day to all of us and it, it I can still remember sitting there I don't think he expected it that the the sanctuary was packed out he thought it was just going to be it was mainly for the youth and uh, but the whole church came out pretty much and he, he made a comment and uh, where how he starts his day and 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 I'm, I'm not there yet but it was prayer and and study for like four or five hours starting like three in the morning <laughs> And I thought, wow! And he, and he, and he, do, he, you know, he's in his nineties now, and I think he, he's still at eighty. He was still doing it. And I thought, wow, you know, that, I mean, it kind of convicted me, but it inspired me as well. And I know I've um, since that talk, I said, you know, I'm getting up earlier before work, and I get up pretty early, and uh, and I, I, I like a, my audio Bible. I like to read and hear it at the same time. I think that helps me. Um, but the, his message really impacted me. But I was just wondering, are there any elders that have inspired you over the years? Uh, definitely, I would say uh, numerous men have uh, impacted me uh, at meetings and conferences, and uh, hearing them preach uh, on a personal level. You know, a personal interaction. Uh, I could say my father, uh, my pastor, um, who introduced me to ministry. I guess put me in ministry would would have been a, a he played a big role in my life, influencing me. Um, kind of help helping establish me and then uh my uncle gary howard pastors in tulsa uh, has had a tremendous impact uh in my life and over the course of the years we've lived there at different times i've preached revivals there and uh, he's always taken personal time to uh, work with me as i know he's done with many other uh, ministers and preachers um, just to um give me advice and, and, and walk me through different things and help me, strengthen me in certain areas. Uh, he's, he's definitely 
played a big role in that. Um, a couple of younger men, I, I guess, depending on your age, you could call them elders. Um, but would would two two that stand out in my mind that are that that have really impacted me and and helped me and navigate some difficult moments and and, and places in life. Uh, one would be uh, Pastor Mark Copeland. I had the privilege of uh, working for him for a little bit uh, as youth pastor, and um, just a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom, uh, a lot of teaching that greatly impacted me. Um, and and I, for one, would say it, it helped change the course of direction for me in some in some ways. Um, another would be Brother Jonathan Shoemake. He's been very impactful in my life, uh, giving great advice, great insight, uh, helping me make decisions that I, I desperately needed help with. And uh, they've, I would say those, and again many others that I could reference and, and talk about, but those really stand out in my mind. Those are all wonderful. I've heard all of them. Uh, been on the scene a long time. Those are great, great men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so Bishop Larry Booker wasn't one of them? Oh, yeah, one, one of <laughs> <Just> many. <kidding. laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> again, again going I'm... back to <laughs> personal time spent, uh, sadly— uh, this is the, as close uh, that I have been to him in, in years, being able to spend time with him, be around him through the years. Our paths just crossed very seldom. Uh, I know with, with my father, he was probably around him a lot more. So this is actually a treat to be able to be here and to be around the both of them uh, because it's just something I've, I've not been able to do up until this point. So trying to take advantage of the moment for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So as an evangelist, um, you know, or pastor, preacher, uh, talking about some of the cliches that we often hear in church, uh, and I'd like to get your take on that also. So when we hear it said from the pulpit, leave it all at the altar or give it all to God, uh, in your mind, what is that exactly? What, what are you trying to get across? Um, I don't know if, I would, if I've said that. I'm sure I have at some point. Um, I do think clarification is probably needed for a lot of people, and I, th- I think it's a basically surrendering your problem, your need, your your situation to the Lord is really what what the speaker is trying to get across. But I think that um, sometimes it's easier said than done, and I think that what people fail to grasp is that it's a process; it's not a one-time. Um, surrender and release to God. Uh, we'd like it to be that. Yeah. But we know human nature, um, that it these same scenarios, these same needs, these same problems will crop back up in our mind, as it always does. You, you've got a pressing need. Let's say it's a, a financial issue, and you come to the Lord, and God, I'm going to put this in your hands and let you work. Um, well, probably for the time you before you get home or you wake up the next day or somewhere throughout your week, that thought, that need is going to present itself again. Yeah. You're going to be reminded, oh, I'm still in the in that situation. And I think it's in those moments that you have to, again, when, when fear or anxiety or pressure begins mounting in your mind and your life, you've got to once again give it back to God. I think it goes into 
what I talked about recently, casting your cares. Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's never a one-time thing. It's a con- it's a lifestyle. There you go. That's, that's, that is so needful because a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the new convert class, they'll get to, well, I did what he said. And then, you know, a week later, no, no, it, it's a daily thing. It's mm-hmm. a daily thing. That's a, that's a fantastic point. A lot of people get stuck in that and get discouraged because they think, well, man, I had faith then and I walked out and it wasn't there anymore. No. Yeah. You know, Definitely. I wonder if it's, it's it's just our natural human tendency to think, you know, I can take care of this and do it. So we, we pray, give it to God at the altar, but then... Uh, we think, I think uh, I'll, this is speaking for myself. I think, well, maybe I need to help God out a little <laughs> bit and, and take it back and, and work on it myself. And then finally, I think it's just building trust over time, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, like God, just to just say, you know what, God, I know when I, when I lost my job, for example, I was, I was down, I moved down here when, and, and it was definitely a, a long story short, uh, prophecy and, and whatever, which moved me from Northern California to down here in this area. Where so you belong, I, right? I, I, I hadn't heard of, 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 uh, Bishop Larry Brooker at all, and <laughs> what? Not, and a guy, but a guy said, "Hey, I'd try to go to his church if he can." I said, "Okay," and it worked out. We we did. We're here. We are twenty something years later, but um, uh, after a year, I uh, still had a house in Merced, still had one, and then I then you know, lost my job. I was down to I bounced a ten dollar offering check <laughs> here at the church. A guy came out and handed me this, you oh, know, the check. Danny, I, mark that. Make sure we get that scrub. Yeah, I, I think I paid it back since. Hopefully, edit those last thirty seconds. <laughs> And I was down to nothing, you know, but you know what? Um, I just said, God, I know you didn't bring me down here. There's a point I started teaching Sunday school that year here. And, uh, and I said, God, I know you didn't bring me down here just to fail and have to go back because there was, there was too much other stuff that had happened. I can't say I wasn't scared a little bit or or had some anxiety, but I said, God, I know you didn't do this and, and, you know, have me fail. And then within a couple of days, I got a job and here I'm 20 something years later, but I, I I lost a a couple of other times I got laid off, but I said, God, Man, I think I tough. did. I think I did pretty good that last time. I think I passed that test. And God, I don't. I, but I don't want to. I don't want to go a month without income. And, yeah. and you know, I, it's a God. I did pretty good. I hung in there. <laughs> Can you take care of a little quick? And he did. And I'm telling you, God has been so faithful oh, and good. Yeah. And and you know now you know. And when we face those situations, you just got to keep trusting. And it, but it's a learning process, and it, it don't happen overnight. Well, I just think it's great what you said, Brother Howard. That it is a. It's it's not you're not a bad person because the next day you're mm-hmm. dealing with it all over again yeah i guess we we try to do what we can do yeah. right uh, there is something to be said about those the lord helps those who help themselves but there comes a point right yeah. where we've got to trust absolutely go further on that one <laughs> yeah i i think that um trust is a factor and um we we and I've talked about it a great deal since being here. We we're so dependent upon our own selves, and and the um, you know our finances, our our healthcare, our healthcare provider, whatever the case may be, and and nothing wrong with that. Um, but leaving something at, at the altar, it, it's a decision that I'm I'm not going to depend upon myself for this anymore. I'm not going to depend on. Uh, all of the things I've leaned on, whether it be family, friends, whatever the case may be, I'm going to completely put it in your hands. And um, it is it is a, a trust issue, and our trust is tested probably within 24 hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the, the pressure comes back, the situation comes back, and, well, am I going to run back to the 
you know, the usual crutch or will I surrender this again to God? And it, it does become a, a bit of a battle. And it, and it, I think, like he said, but the lead said, it's a, a learning process. Yeah. Yeah. A growing process for sure. Great story. Great story. So there are a lot of other, uh, you know, one of the questions we get a lot, especially is, uh, there's a lot of young ministers out there. Uh, and, uh, what should somebody who maybe feels the call or maybe they're reaching out or trying to figure out what they're going to do, uh, you know, what, what should an individual be doing in their local church, let me stress local church, to grow and prepare themselves for some type of ministry, whether it, uh, well, pulpit ministry, um, your opinion. What did you do? Well, the first thing I did when I, when I felt a call— was that um, when you crawled out of the crib, or what? <laughs> no, no, not quite. I, I was, uh, I, I guess I started feeling it as a, probably a preteen. Um, I, I can't remember a specific age, maybe 11 or 12. Very uh, scary to me. Didn't really understand exactly what all I was feeling. And um, went for a few years, you know, kind of no change in that regards, but then... Um, one day I went to the pastor, which at, the, at the, that particular moment in time was my uncle. Uh, my father was working for him. I just asked to meet with him uh, probably at about 14, 15 years of age and told him what I felt and um, wanted to know what I needed to do. And, uh, at, you know, at the time, he just it was just very simplistic. Um, just, you know, pray, continue to pray and worship and study your Bible and um, very, very basic things uh, at that point in my life. Um, and I think that's where everyone should start. You know, you, you, you've got to get consistent in a prayer life. You've got to plug in, begin to study, begin to pray, begin to uh, fast on occasion when you can. But beyond that, I think that uh, too many get their eyes set on a on sermonizing, on a pulpit ministry. And I think to aim for that, in some ways, perhaps there's nothing wrong with it, but I I think that may possibly be the wrong target. Um, I think our goal should be to minister to people. And um, you don't always have to preach a message to do that. And um, I think a young man, a young woman in a local church wanting to be used in ministry to some degree, needs to learn how to connect with people, needs to learn how to pray with people. Um, I, I think it bothers me if I see a, a minister or someone aspiring to be in ministry that has no interest in working in the altars and praying with people. Um, I don't feel like you can be very effective if you lack that component. Um, I think that's where I learned a lot of things in dealing with people, um, where I saw a lot of growth um, in my personal life at a younger age was when you begin working in the altar, praying with sinners, praying with people, praying with addicts, you know, you name it. Um, I think that's something everyone that desires to be in ministry needs to seek after. Um, and then, of course, uh, getting involved in, in evangelism, getting involved in Bible studies, and and looking for opportunities to 
um, to be used. And, you know, this church in particular, you've got bus ministry, you've got Sunday school, so many different outlets that a young person or couple uh, could avail themselves to and begin to work in those areas. Um, that That's what I would suggest. You know, I, I kind of along those lines, I may take a, 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 I may go a circuitous route to get here, but I, I you know, I was a, a young uh, new convert, and I was in a service once, and um, and they had a visiting preacher there, and uh, so I'm, stick with me, I'm getting somewhere, and uh, talking kind of about churches being easier to preach in or not, and this was a, a, normally the church was, but there was that awkward feeling when when um the church is just kind of sitting there stone-faced not responding and me as a newcomer i'm sitting there and i i really started feeling uncomfortable and and because nobody was like clapping nobody was saying amen nothing it was just sitting there and then you could see that transfer to this young preacher that was there and and it was just microphone silence just nothing going on and just just Real uncomfortable and it, it real uneasy, and I was just kind of you know saying all this. I know in Sunday school classes, uh, we always prepare for some little demonstration or something. Like we, I, I like science experiments, and for something to go wrong. And I remember talking about I was going to rain down fire and burn up. I had a little paper Sodom and Gomorrah, and <laughs> it didn't catch on fire, and it wasn't burning. The wind blew it out, and 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 it just wasn't working. And I'm like, did I did I say I was talking about Sodom? No, I meant Nineveh, and the, the city wasn't destroy so i had to quickly change the message you know so the, the question is did you ever prepare for the worst or something just you know i mean do you ever think about just a message just 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 clanging and just not going anywhere i mean in preparation do you do you what, what could go wrong or is there you know have you ever had something ter- take a turn that you just didn't expect and should you be thinking about that <laughs> as a young evangelist i tried to forget those moments <laughs> um yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, there's so many things that, <clears throat> that can happen, that can unfold um, in the course of, you're, you're referring to preaching, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and, and preaching, um, and you just have to, you have to be led of the Spirit, and, and if you allow um, the congregation's response to distract you or the lack thereof, um, you could really get in trouble and get in hot water quickly. And I think that's a probably an area that I did focus on. And I, it's not that you don't notice it, um, but you have to learn, and, and, and I've learned this the hard way, you have to learn to um, just work through it and just preach. And eventually things will begin to break. Um, you know, his word's like a hammer, and you just keep preaching and keep pushing. And, and things begin to unfold, but I know as a, uh, in times past, you know, you want to, naturally, you want to confront that. Well, let's, let's solve this. this. This isn't working the way it's supposed to. And, uh, that, I'll get that's my like, hammer. Yeah, <laughs> let me pull out my hammer. And um, that's where you make a mistake. And, right. Uh, and I think it goes back to, you know, trust. Just let, let God do what he wants to do. And let let God break this thing. It's going to happen. Just keep doing what you feel to do, what you felt in prayer, and um, yeah, this thing will begin moving forward. You know? Something I do appreciate about you do that, and uh, uh, I mean, to me here at ILC, we are we're we're 
we love getting fed. Mm-hmm. Good word. And, and part of that is sort of sitting, and we listen. We sit and listen. Uh, that doesn't mean we won't, we're not going to respond, but it's a little strange to me when some people come in, don't know how we are, and the minute, oh, you're not hearing me. <laughs> you know, they're pulling for responses immediately. Yeah. And I think, oh, man, you know, here we are. This. <laughs> yeah. When if you just never heard you do that, you just stay solid all the way through, you know, and we're always with you. It's yeah, just, we're just paying close attention. That's just, I think, how we are as a congregation. We we love the Word of God. We love our preachers. Yeah, no, definitely. And I I think that you know a church could possibly be dead, or as you've referenced, that's just how you guys have been trained. And I notice it doesn't matter what type of response is given when the altar call comes, things just erupt in the Holy Ghost, and um, it's just let let God. Allow it to unfold. Let God help you press through it. When you start targeting people and focusing on people and and responses, you you've, you're going to mess up. Mm. You know, a lot, I I, I want to give some advice to any um, podcast listener out there. Um, if you're just a saint in the church, is you can be the catalyst to 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 you know if you're in that awkward moment where there's no response you be the one to say you know what I'm gonna, and that's again you talked about teaching over the years with our bishop and pastor is um you know and why because I think that reinforcement hey you know people love coming to preach at this church and it's like you know what if they're sitting around no one's I'm gonna run the aisle you know and get mm-hmm. something going it just that little you know could be the trigger to get something going to help break the spirit and I and I've again being in that moment I've been and I remember uh, in college uh, we had to class teaching seminars and we had a team of four of us and uh, the first person was going to um, get up and talk on my team got up there and she just froze she panicked and just finally it was just uncomfortable for everyone and and she just walked off and the professor this guy was uh, he was pure evil he just said <laughs> well i don't pure quite evil. know what to do now um you pretty much let your team down because you were the first speaker and now then you were given the introduction to this topic and she's just sitting there with her head on the oh, desk how this, embarrassing. Was, this was in a grad graduate class and it was a, I, and I just said um professor i go i, I think we're going to be okay i was going to be the second one and i'm shaking like a leaf now and I just said, you know what, I, I think I can go on. And because and, I had to know her part in order to kind of do mine. It was, we were like pretending we were given like a symposium on something. And I got up there and, and kind of took off from where she started and did my section as well. But, I th- you know, so I, that was, and I wasn't in church back then or anything. It just had nothing to do spiritually. But I think now it's like, you know what, I, I think it's in our, in our best interest if, you know, to, to get with the service, stand up, clap and preach. And, and you can be that catalyst, that icebreaker, so to speak, to, to kind of get something moving in the Holy mm-hmm. Ghost. So. Definitely. Did she uh, give you a gift card or anything for that? <laughs> I think I think she dropped the class. Oh, it was a, it was it was embarrassing. Very was nice of you. Very nice. <laughs> That's fine, um, brother Howard. Would um, you were talking earlier about young people if they wanted to go into ministry of some sort to be up with you know praying for people being being in the midst of that in the altar or or other things? Um, what what kind of advice would you give like a young man? or a young couple uh, that want to go into the evangelistic field? You know, I, I would say you need to make sure that you're running all of that by your pastor. Um, it's definitely not um, something you want to jump into on your own. 
uh, be be in submission and in, and clearly communicating with your pastor. And um, I've seen people jump the gun. I've seen people that uh, felt that they knew better. The pastor said it's it's not a good idea. I don't feel it, and they just go. Uh, and that's always a recipe for disaster. So I would say, you know, always make those steps um, with your pastor's approval and uh, guidance, and that that's your your safety net. Um, keep preventing you from going out and crashing and burning. But you know, with you know, let's say that he has given his blessing and and you're ready to go, I think when God calls someone into that realm of ministry or any realm of ministry, the doors, doors have to open. And um, if you're banging on a door that's not opening, it could be that it's not God's will. And um, I, see, I have seen and still see uh, young couples out there, young men, um, see many that are successful, many that... Um, are being greatly used, and I see some that are very frustrated, and the the doors simply don't open. Things simply just don't they don't seem to be unfolding, and um, at times I I could say that maybe that's just the Lord testing their faith, but I I see some that are out there that um, that are wanting it wanting to to be in, in and have an evangelistic ministry. That perhaps you're not called, and when there's a lack of calling, um, there's a lack of provision. When when you're not called to fulfill a certain role, the doors are not going to open like like you would want them to. The results are not going to be there, and uh, I think you'll end up being a very frustrated person. Um, and so I, I would say, you know, move with your pastors guidance and and stick close to him and uh, let God open the doors and if the doors aren't opening don't try to force them open um, the, you know a, a man's ministry or a man's gift will make room for itself I, I still believe that um, when I started evangelizing it it wasn't something I was just hopping up and down to do um, it was kind of unexpected when the door opened. Someone asked me to preach, and uh, it it and that was kind of the end of it. It went from there, and um, it, it wasn't something I was looking to do or calling men to say, "Hey, would you let me preach?" Is <laughs> the exact opposite. <laughs> I wouldn't take those calls. But anyway, um, you know, you know, I want I wonder. Um if uh, like a 16, 17, 18 year old, you know, young person uh, that goes to these conferences, you know, they see that, you know, there's event, you know, um, evangelists out there that on at every big meeting they're there and all the kids love them and they're great evangelists. I won't mention any particular person's name, but I wonder if, if the expectation of these, you know, um, uh, of these young kids, um, 15, 16, 17, you know, see that and like are almost enamored with that evangelist and think, wow, this guy's going all over. If they have their, if their expectation maybe, you know, kind of like, oh, and, and they think that right then and there, they're going to be doing peak. They're going to be doing some <laughs> of these other conferences, you know, at 16, 17, 18. And now it could happen, but I wonder if expectation sometime kind of gets people thrown off that, and then it may not be that way, you know, that they're, they're, they're sitting in that awkward service. Nobody's, you know, or what, cause they're not prepared or whatever. Have you 
Oh yeah, I think that's a natural um, perspective that that young people would have, and I'm sure I had it. You know, uh, I remember youth camps and uh, conferences, seeing the, the different big name evangelists, and thinking, man, uh, you know, uh, what an incredible position, and, and it should and be all me the... up there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but it is uh, what they don't often see is the journey. That brought that person to where they are, um, and and laboring in obscurity for many years, you know, preaching in places no one's heard of, and no one really knowing your name, and the the struggles and the the battles that that everyone fights, but you know, in particular, a preacher and his family, um, they don't see all of that that that's wrapped up in that individual, um, and if, I think if that they if they could. Uh, it, it, they would think twice, probably, <laughs> but um, but that's just a part of it, you know. Um, we we see the snapshot of an individual, of where they are in that moment of, of their life, but we don't see the history and the the path that led them there. So I, I think that's normal. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, let me ask you this: uh, If you, I want to talk about the finance. Just a quick, sh- the qu- a question on the financial end. Uh, I can't imagine that. It's cheap to evangelize, mm-hmm. uh, especially you guys pulling a rig. Uh, we see a lot of them, a lot of evangelists. Well, I don't know about a lot of them, but some fly in, get them a room. Is that just because it's expensive or it's sort of changed? I remember when I came into the church, we had long revivals with Brother Copeland. Yeah. He'd pull a trailer in, stay with us for months. Uh, it's rare that we see that kind of thing anymore mm-hmm. of the like you, an evangelist with a trailer who's bringing his family with him. Yeah. I'm glad that you're able to do that, for one. I can't imagine trying to hop out every other weekend or something to go back home. Yeah. Um, I, I see it, you know. So, so let me sharpen it up here. Okay, so if you, would you, could you, is there anything you would do different? So let's say you're talking to Andrew Howard. How long have you been evangelizing? Uh, well, I evangelized as a single man and, and married, oh. so probably, I guess, five, five and a half years. Okay, let's say you're, you are speaking to Reverend Andrew Howard five years ago. What advice would you give him? Run. <laughs> he can't, he can't no, do that. not really. And all that's settled. Uh, all that yeah. is settled. Uh, On the financial end, what would you do? Is there, or maybe you've done it, you said, man, I wouldn't change a thing. That's fine. You know... It's so hard to to say because of because of circumstances at the time. Um, I don't know if there would have been much I could have changed. Um, you know, so you weren't burdened with a house payment. With no, a- <laughs> I didn't have any house payments. Uh, so I I st- you know I was working for a church, live, living in a a place that they provided. Um, when I when we got married uh, and started out, and of course when I evangelized as a single young man, I was living at home and uh, packed everything I owned into my car and hit the road. All right. And uh, it it was easy then, you know, uh, just staying wherever uh, someone would let me stay, and so it, it became greatly complicated. Um, 
you know, when, when we got married and decided... Wait, know, wait, what? Complicated? <laughs> yeah. Did you like it better or no? Oh, yeah. It, there's, <laughs> yeah. Is my wife going to listen to this? <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, no, there were there were many things that uh, made it much better. But again, of course, the the financial responsibility, the the needs, the different scenarios uh, were vastly different. Um, I don't know if I would change anything per se, but um, you know, but traveling like this, you, you know, you you it would be nice to have a permanent residence and a permanent home. And uh, you know, the thoughts crossed my mind numerous times. Um, but I, you know, I see people that, that don't travel with their family and that are in and out and man to each his own if that's what you feel right led to do by all means do it um i want my family with me and uh, i want them to be a part of what god's doing in, in this ministry i don't want it to be me uh and them off on the sideline somewhere um, i wouldn't feel right about it and uh, i'm I'm glad that up until this point, the Lord's allowed us to travel together. Um, but it is a it is a sacrifice uh, to the extent that you abandon a home or a permanent residence, um, and I you got to do what's right for you, what you feel. You know, you 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 know, it's great. You say you you love having your family here, and of course, it's working out really great for us too. You know, but you hear occasionally hear an evangelist and stuff that that maybe they they were off on their own the whole time and they left their family home, and the kids grow up. I mean, here he's taking care of all these other churches all across the country, but neglecting now. You know, I mean, I've heard it. You know, I can't mention. I can't think of any names particularly, but I know they said that they've kind of, if they had to do it all over again, they maybe would have done it differently. But then they they may have lost their kids because they never grew. They didn't grow up without their dad or something because he's off evangelizing everywhere. But every da- but then some families they may prefer that home, stay at home. And and whatever, I guess it all just depends yeah. on the dynamic of the family, and and you work it all out with your spouse, and you know whatever. But yeah, there's definitely a balance you probably got to consider if you have a big family. Yeah, I think you know with, with me, perhaps some of this, uh, you know, would be going back to my childhood. My father evangelized and did it much the same way that I've done it. You know, as far as us traveling together, a trailer and a truck, being on site. Um, and so I'm sure that some of what I'm doing is influenced by that. I, I find it uh, easier, and I have flown in and out a couple of times, but uh, try not to do that if I can help it. I find it easier and, and uh, better for me, and uh, able to focus more and really connect if I can be on site at all times. If I'm coming in and out, I feel like there's so much that I miss uh, maybe that's completely on a spiritual level. Um, I just feel like there's a, a level of effectiveness that I have if I can be there, where uh, someone else, they may not have to battle with that or deal with that. But for me, it seems to work best. Hmm. Now, I <clears throat> knew I knew several evangelists. One of them told me they went in debt evangelizing at the time. Now, I, I don't know... Uh, <laughs> If it's just maybe he wasn't supposed to be out there, I don't know. You know, yeah. Maybe I mean I don't think the Lord would send you out there to drown. Oh, maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he sends you out there to drown. Yeah, uh, I would say the 
Is be, it expensive? It, it is expensive. Yeah. I, I would say it would be optimum if you could be debt free um, before I, you before you could go. I mean, that would be tremendous. Um, for me, um, you know, I went from working at a church and my wife was working at a, another church, and, um, and and it's just common knowledge you don't you don't get paid six figure salaries working for the church. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and so, you know, starting out, we, we really had uh, little to nothing at all. Uh, a couple of vehicles and um, clothing, that was about it. And so um, not a lot to work with and, and uh, lacking the ability to really save large amounts of money uh, when we felt it. You know, and, and it was a gradual thing. We didn't go from working for a church to a trailer, but it, it was gradual. We went from... We, we got a SUV and a luggage trailer, and um, as time went on, we eventually evolved to the RV. Um, and and um, it, it was difficult, but I, you know, I felt it in prayer and uh, didn't know how we could make something like that work financially and didn't want to make a, a dumb move and, and be um, in a financial situation that we couldn't handle. And I felt like when we, I felt it in prayer, and when we took that step, uh, that the Lord provided, and um, and it's it's never been an issue. And uh, looking, I mean, going back to that particular moment, it, it looked impossible. Yeah. But you know, God's made it. Praise God. Work out so. Well, um, our In the Lighthouse podcast ministry doesn't quite afford that six figure. Uh, uh, income. So I'm not sure what you're expecting, but we do have another donut for you. And yeah. Another bottle of water. Um, sure. But, you know, I, I, not to wind anything down here, but, you know, we talk about preparing for the um, uh, evangelistic field. What about preparing? What do you have, have you even thought about your next phase? I mean, I, I don't know if there's a time, how long, I mean, because it's, I think it's kind of neat. We've had some elders now, now at my age, there's not too many elders that <laughs> as, as I get older here, but uh, that have been pastored for 20, 30 years that become an evangelist. They just, oh, that's call, great. You wow. know, stuff like yeah. that. I think that's kind of neat, but I'm just curious as a young evangelist, you've been evangelized. I am sure, you know, just knowing you, I, I, I think I know the answer. But is there a time limit you've said, or are you just going to kind of follow God? Or have you thought about, you know, has God spoken to you yet? I mean, how long? Or do you feel yourself being a pastor someday? Or, or I'm just kind of curious what the next step is. Um, no, there's no time limit. Um, you know, I don't have any indication of how long. Um, I do I do feel like one day, uh, I felt it in prayer many times, that we, we would pastor at some point. Um, but again, with every um, ministerial transition that we've taken, it's just even if we felt something, we, we just wait for the door to open, wait for God to yeah. make some kind of move and position us to to take that next step. Um, and so, you know, at this point, I, I don't have any idea as far as an amount of time. Uh, I feel called to do this. And, and burden to do it, um, and as long as he'll keep me in that place, uh, we want to continue to do that. But it, you know, as far as when we would transition or or take some different direction or step in our ministry, I really sometimes I wish I could know, but but I'm I guess in the end I'm glad I don't. 
that way, I, you know, I think if God revealed every step way in advance, we, we wouldn't be able to focus on the current place that we're in. So, Well, let me say, as we begin to wind down, there was, a, I don't know if you had a chance to see Question 8. I kind of threw that on your, uh, it's something we did with the, the bishop. Uh, is there a, a scripture of the day or the moment, something God impressed on you? Uh, maybe you can't tell us because you're going to be preaching about it, but uh, something that's just for you personal. Do you ever get that? That's a, that's, do you ever get a personal word, personal scripture that's not necessarily what you're going to preach in the church or what you're going to be, but just maybe it's in preparation for something in the future? Uh, do, you have a, do you have something that you've been pondering, mm-hmm. shall I say, a scripture that you've been pondering? you'd like to share with us? I'd have to look at notes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that's a good thing you write notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my memory is so short. I, I would just say a, a passage I refer to a lot um, that, that's helped me is Psalms 27. Um, it's always kind of an anchor point, a reference point for me. Um, and dealing with, with, with numerous situations um, and, and just living life in general, Psalms 27 has always been a a place of strength, not not necessarily a a, a personal word as you would refer as re, you referred to it earlier, but um, always a passage that I've leaned on. So I guess that would be more of a a favorite passage. Any particular part of it, or just the whole thing I, in know, general? The whole thing. The whole thing. Uh, yeah, top to absolutely. Bottom. Uh, it's it's very impacting and you know uh, very applicable. I feel like to. Um, any phase of life and situation in life that, that one would deal with. Um, so can you quote it? Can I quote it? Man, <laughs> I could at one point. <laughs> Not for the podcast. <laughs> Let's catch that. I can't quote it either now. I'm forgetting it. <laughs> but that is a great, a great, a great passage. Uh, you got that pulled up? I, I can, yeah. I was going to give another scripture. I was reading it, and you mentioned Psalms. Um, uh, I read one today. Um, it says that is Psalm 18 uh, that um, that uh, he said that he that the Lord has put the enemies under my under under my foot, their necks under my foot, and it said. And um, they cried, even unto the Lord, uh-huh. but He answered them not. So it was even people within. They're both crying to the same God. But God knew what which one should prevail and which one was doing right, and so they cried even unto God. <laughs> but uh, He it says He answered them not, oh. and so I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. But Psalm twenty eight is uh, unto Thee, O Lord, I cry, O Lord, my rock, uh, be not silent to me, lest if Thou be silent to me, um, I be become like them that go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications. So Psalm twenty eight, yeah, that's good. Psalm twenty seven. Once we start it off, we all know it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Great, great, great scripture. And so with that, we appreciate all of you that are listening. Brother Howard, we greatly appreciate you and look forward to more revival with you here. You're not done here. We thank God for that. Thank you, Brother Bob. 
Thank you, Brother Dave. Thanks for having me. It's been great. I know I personally have enjoyed this revival. Uh, every, every message has been right on, but you know, all the way down to my grandkids. The yeah. winter youth retreat, they came back, definitely changed, and they had yeah. nothing but great things to say about did it. Did you have fun at the winter youth retreat? I did. All right. Uh, I didn't enjoy the snow and cold as much as I thought I would. <laughs> we <laughs> I enjoyed, enjoyed the services. It was great. Yeah, everybody said so. It's just tremendous. Well, God bless you, Brother Thank Howard. You for We're so glad me. you came out with us and took some time to be with us here. I sure appreciate it. Thanks again. All right, and thank everybody for uh, listening to the podcast. And for those of you who like to leave a question or have any comments, uh, you can reach us at podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. Once again, that's podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. And there you can leave a comment, questions, or uh, anything you, you have to say. Uh, we'll try to get back to you as, as we can. And Any want, good thing. Any good thing. <laughs> and we want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.